I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. Just a little bit after 5 a.m., welcome. Rich Sherrera, Ryan Phillips, our final day sitting in for the coach. Coach will be back next week. Derek Togerson, A.J. Cassaville will get up at the... Well, I was going to say the crack of dawn, but the sun hasn't even come up yet. Good morning, Ryan. Yeah, good morning. We're not even close to dawn. It's it's still dark. How do people? I'd love to hear this morning if you're if you're driving to work. What exactly are you getting up this early for on the road at five a.m.? Like, if if Alexa just woke you up right now, or your alarm clock woke you up, I get that part, right? But I saw people just driving and living their lives. It. 3 o'clock in the morning and 4 o'clock in the morning. What exactly do you do if you're on the freeway that you're driving on the 15 at this time of day? Uh, going to host a radio show, clearly. it's. <laughs> is, that, is there I think that that's many? the only job that you'd be up for. i, I got to ask the guys in the room, what time do you set your alarm for, Jim? Me? I set mine for – oh, man, I'm, I'm really weird. I have, like – at least six alarms. Okay. I get it. I totally get it this time. Um, I set one for four. I set one for 4.05. I set one for 4.10, and I probably might have bed by four, like, between, between 4.10 and 4.15. And you live, like, right down the street. I live right down the street. So. You're not weird. I mean, I, I, I have to do that. I had three Alexa alarms set yesterday. I had one Google Home as my fail save, mm-hmm. and I had three on my phone. I'm just afraid I'm going to sleep through that. I'm like that on the road in hotels. And I know I've got like a six a.m. flight. I have to set multiple alarms. I can't trust the the wake up call from the hotel. I I can't get any sleep because I'm worried that I'm gonna oversleep and miss my flight. I'm neurotic about it too. Where sometimes the night before, and you guys, this is your job, so maybe you're more comfortable with it. But when I know I have to wake up for something, it's hard for me to sleep the night before, which yes. then makes it yes. hard for yes. me to wake up. The next it was day. hard. It was hard to start out with for sure. But after a while, like I said yesterday after the show, like my, I live my life naps. Now. Yeah, one nap at a time. One nap at a time. Power yeah. nap, right? Yeah. And even if I go to bed like super late, I just I have to switch it in my brain. All right, this is a long nap. Mm-hmm. Like this is a yeah. nap now. I'm not sleeping. It's a nap. But it's the same when I have like an early flight. Like if I have a 6 a.m. flight right. and I know I got to be up at like 4 or like 3.30. Yeah, you just don't like, sleep. I just don't even sleep. Yeah, there's no point. In my head. Jeff, what time do you wake up? So I'm one of those when my alarm goes off, I like instantly pop out of bed for the most part. That's a smart thing to do. Yeah. So I actually have two alarms. I only need one backup. I go three ten and three twenty because that extra ten minutes sometimes can help if mm-hmm. it was like a late night. But crazy. Yeah, I, mine's been going off this week at three thirty. I'm just one of those. If I roll over, I can't. Like I'm done for the for the day. Like I won't make it to work if I roll over. Yeah, I get. I I'm totally with you. That I, that first shock of adrenaline that gets you going, and then if it dissipates you're done yeah, yeah I, I have to get up and immediately get into the shower or i will not get up yeah the, i'm the same way like I, I can roll over maybe for the 10 minutes but it's more because i'm already awake and i just mm-hmm. can't go back into deep sleep it's just kind of like the getting the eyes open and getting like the energy to get my legs actually on the floor i would love to hear from folks just what are you doing if if you're on the road right now what exactly do you do for a living that you get up and you're driving on the freeway like 
let's say when I was a little bit younger, a little bit more irresponsible, I would be driving home sometimes at 4 a.m., mm-hmm. right? Probably shouldn't have been driving. I, but... No, 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 I'd always be careful. I was always afraid of that. But I would be driving home sometimes 3, 4 in the morning. I remember one time a friend of mine came out with me, and it's one of my fraternity brothers after we had graduated, and I was married. Um, we went out, and it was like 2.30 in the morning. He goes, hey, we better get home. I said, no. If I get home this early, my wife's going to think something's going on. we got to stay out until at least 4 and eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to get in trouble. So now as I look at it, it's like, what exactly are people doing as they go? Like I drove by the McDonald's drive through and I thought, do I want to stop and get something to eat before the show? Is Taco Bell open yet? Where's the Carl's Jr.? I was looking for any place to stop and get something to eat on the way in. And I'm thinking to myself, if I'm stopping right now, will people think that I'm going to work or coming home at this I time of the, night? I think the perception is always good. Well, it depends if you order breakfast or if you're ordering uh grease like grease yeah <laughs> soak everything up um but i think my my assumption would be i i was i was talking about this with a friend is the last time i was up at three thirty, i was going to bed i wasn't waking up you know um your life changes as you get older i think look what you have to this is what you have to look forward to jim oh i'm already there are you already there yeah, we're already we're already in that phase it's okay or if you're jeff who's got young kids and they fight to go down for the nap. Oh, could you yeah. imagine if you could have that time back and just, hey, Jim. I'm good. You, I'm you good, ha- bro. You have to go take a nap right now. Yeah, I'm good on that one. No, thank you. Uh, you wouldn't want to take it. Be you know, like when you're a little kid, you never want to. Take oh no, a nap. I thought you were talking about kids. No, 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 no. Jim and I, Jim and I are with are on the no kid. Trend. Yeah, don't yeah. No, no kids. Don't yeah, that no, no, on no, no. I'm not throwing that on you. But you remember when you were a little kid and your mom would try to put you down for a nap and you just fight it and you wouldn't sleep? Oh yeah. Now I, I, I I'm so sorry, mom. Yeah. That I did that. You, to you were right. You were so right. And you know you know part of it is they were trying to put you down for a nap so that they could go chill. Oh <laughs> for sure. And now naps are life. So yeah. I understand. So that's- did anyone stay up to watch that's that's the other question I have if you guys are getting up that early. Are you able to stay up to watch the Padres finish? No. Oh absolutely. Yeah, I I am. I I'm a night owl, like a natural yeah, one. Yeah, so am I. Am. And I kind of just, I can't go to sleep not knowing what's happening. I feel totally. it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. Like, I remember a couple months ago, the Padres had the extra inning game, and it was like 11 o'clock or something. And I ha- I, I just had to watch it. Uh, you you I, can't, like, let yourself sleep. I couldn't, like, be like, okay, well, I'll just go to bed. And Shut then, my brain off. Yeah. And then figure out what the score is in the morning. Like, no, 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 no. I got to know, like, what's happening. Well, and and being the West Coast guy on the big lead, I'm usually the last one on the site every night because everybody else is on East Coast time. Right. I'm the one out here on the West Coast. So I always feel like I can't go to bed until I am sure nothing else has happened, Whether even if it's just a guy getting cut late at night or something that's a big deal or a guy signing a contract or something like that. It's not just finishing the games, which are usually, I mean, we are lucky out here on the West Coast with sports. NFL's done at four in the afternoon. I mean, unless you're going to watch the night game, you're lucky that basketball, West Coast basketball ends at like, you know, nine ten as opposed to midnight or one o'clock. And usually the late night baseball is over by then. But still, there's always I'm I'm usually not even in bed till midnight because I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for that last thing to happen because you don't want to be the one that misses it, you know. And and so I I'm used to being up late at night. I have to 
as you said, I have to know what's going on. I have to know. There is that up. difference between the East and the West Coast. Cause, you know, you'll hear Billy Crystal tell those stories about, oh, I would fall asleep with the transistor radio underneath my pillow. Like, I grew up in California. What is that? Ball games were over at 1030, right? Oh, it's great when, like, the World Series is going on. Everyone else is like, why are they still, like, playing this late? And you're just like, I don't know. It's not that bad. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. It's 10 o'clock. Now, when I lived on the East Coast, I thought it was great that I could go to bed Listening to ball games till two in the morning, and I fall asleep listening to a ball game. It's not that, great the next morning, though. Well, just if you, if you're that type of person that has white noise to go to sleep, mm-hmm. it was perfect. You can listen to a Dodger game. You can listen to a Padre game. You can listen to an Angels game. Giants, A's, Mariners. Late night until two in the morning. Now, sometimes when I can't sleep and I want to turn on the radio to listen to a game, I'm like, oh, that's right. Uh, all the games are over at 10 o'clock. So there's that whole difference between the two or the fact that, you know, on the East Coast, you've got the entire Sunday morning to kill before, before football, football starts, starts, which is That weird. was the weirdest thing for me when I moved when I moved to Indiana was I had always had football on at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. on a Sunday. And I knew that I got up, took a shower, maybe had something to eat, and then boom, it's football all day. There... I'm having breakfast. I'm having lunch before it's even kickoff time. And it was just a, such a different world for that. I get up, go to church, do whatever. Then sit away. And, and then wait. you're done by and like wait. four. So your whole day isn't done by the time the second round of football games are over. Right. Either. The other one, th- the other weird thing is uh, compared East Coast to West Coast now is college game day mm-hmm. begins so early, I never see the first hour of game day. Yeah, I can't either. I, I, can't I, either. I have to record it. Yeah, it's it, and, and I love that show, and I love the whip around they do where they talk about every pretty much every single game. And But I also like that I can, you know, if there's a reason the Pac-12 doesn't get national respect, aside from the fact that Pac-12 doesn't really. And Larry, and Larry Scott needs to go. Yeah, does, it's why Pac-12 doesn't really deserve national respect at this point. But there's a reason, it's, I mean, you know, if you're, at USC or Stanford or Oregon or Washington, you're scheduling your games to kick off at 7 o'clock at night on a Saturday. Don't expect to be in the playoff because nobody's going to watch you and nobody's going to care. Unless you go undefeated, nobody's going to care. I'm already I'm already like five games in and I've tailgated for a half hour uh, uh, after each game. I'm done. I don't have the energy or the wherewithal to watch you. Yeah, and East Coast, imagine East Coast people watching all day. It's 10 o'clock. They're not going to sit up no. for a... For a USC Arizona State game, it, it, you know. So if Woo-hoo, let's watch that. Um, my life is better though when when college game day goes on. My I feel like I have a void in my life when there's no college game day. Yeah, I I, I do love the college football atmosphere. Even I mean, obviously, I've soured on the NFL as I'm sure everybody is aware. Uh, since since a certain team relocated, Who? I, which team? Are you talking about the uh, the Baltimore team? No, no, they didn't. Are, no, are St. Louis hasn't didn't St. upset Louis? me as much either. No, Houston. Uh-uh. Nope, no. Oakland. Uh, they didn't. Bother. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. Um, was there a team that moved? I'm trying to think. Oh right, the the their helmets in the middle of the. I, I actually thought about bringing in like a. Uh, uh, like a, How mad does it make you that there's a hell right there? Oh my right god, you've been so mad. Like, three days. I thought, I've so, been, I've been polite. You this isn't explain. my studio, I've been polite. What, you, what <laughs> have you been staring at for three days? I've been staring at a Chargers helmet autographed by... I don't know, I mean, the only reason why it's in here is because LT signed it. Oh yeah. I mean, I still, look, I have an LT jersey in the back of my closet. I haven't looked at it in two years, but it's yeah. in the back of my closet. 
but yeah, I thought about bringing in like a blanket and just covering it for the week just or like something. Slowly, yeah. just like move it to the side. <laughs> I'm thinking here. of starting a GoFundMe page to see how much money I could raise to get you to put that on. Uh for to to give straight to me. Yeah, cash? there's no actually there's actually no way he could put it on because that thing is Tiny. it's impossible. <laughs> Trust me, I tried. You tried, okay. Uh, yeah, it would take a lot of money. Which, All right, well, so a lot we'll, we'll of see what you can out. see what you can come up with, but I'll it would take a lot of money. This morning, uh, you know what makes me feel good is the San Diego Padres because they're a game above five hundred. How about big? That was a great. Haas? That was a great game last night. That was, was a good baseball game. A grinder of a game. In fact, Jeff, can I just wake everybody up? If your alarm's going to go off about right now, how about we wake them up with the sound of the Padres beating the Diamondbacks? Chato on first, Hosmer up, he swings at the first pitch and sends one to deep left field. This one is up and out. A two-run home run for Eric Hosmer. And just like that, the Padres lead. 3-2 to two, San Diego here in the sixth. What a blast by Eric Hosmer catches Zach Granke. Well, and, and Granke missed a spot by maybe four inches, just leaving it just a little high. And that just shows you the raw power of Eric Hosmer is, is out as he goes oppo. Yeah, when when Hosmer is at his best, he's sitting at the opposite field. I remember last year teams would shift on him a lot, and I was, I remember thinking like, no, he's he's when he's when he's going, he's hitting at opposite field. And I think that he tried to pull the ball a lot last year, and, and when he's not, and he's going opposite field and he's spraying the ball, that guy is 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 dangerous and. You saw the two big money guys come up big last night. Machado had an RBI single, and then Hosmer followed that with a home run. And they actually, I, I we were talking about this morning before you got here, Rich. We were shocked they beat Granky. Granky dominates the Padres every single time. They he had, you know, he threw maybe three bad pitches, and night, one of them, and one of them left the yard. Yeah, that and, that was it. And backed Matt Strom, who I thought had a phenomenal performance. Only he went six innings, only threw sixty nine pitches, but his. His spot in the batting order came up, so Andy Green opted to uh, take him out, and and the Padres came through for him in the bottom of the sixth. So let's talk about Kirby Yates, who picks up yet another save. Um, and we talked about it yesterday, and I, he was my number one pick for star for the Padres. He was number one for me. Makes the most sense yeah. if you just look at the raw numbers and what he's done this year. Um, you, you you couple that with the fact that. This is yet another, and we'll say it, and we'll say it, and we'll continue to say it, reclamation project for Darren Balsley that just finds guys, figures out how to get them to work, and gets them confidence, works on their mechanics, uh, sprinkles pixie dust, uh, whatever it takes to get someone like him, Brad Hand, so many of these guys that he's repaired over the years, and just... It's like a secret potion that you have at Petco Park that he's able to do this with guys that other teams, quite frankly, gave up on. Yeah, and and A.J. Casaville tweeted out last night, in his last nine games, Kirby Yates has faced 38 hitters and has struck 23 of them out, which is just silly. And he struck out the side last night. He, I mean, in, in seven innings this month so far, in the month of May, he struck out 18. Those are just... That, that, so in seven innings, he's gotten 21 outs, 18 via strikeout. So if you want to, you know, we always we talk about win above replacement player, right? Win above replacement value war. That's how everybody evaluates players these days. But if you talk about Kirby Yates and the San Diego Padres, think about this. The Padres are a game above 500, which Padre fans right now should be smiling, high-fiving, 
fist bumping, honking their horns if you're driving down the freeway right now. You ought to be wearing Padre gear. You ought to be walking around on on cloud nine right now to be 500 in a game above 500. And, and it almost washes away the fact that this team has struggled over the last couple of years. Can you point to a player on the San Diego Padres since opening day to today that has had more hand, that has been a bigger part of the success than Kirby Yates? I think it's hard, given how many close games they've played. I think they've played 18 one-run games, or they've won 18 one-run games or something like that. They, they showed the stat on the game last night. And, and he's a guy who's getting, you know, when you're a closer, the reason you get a lot of hard throwers and guys that get strikeouts is because you don't want to put runners on base late in the game. Obviously, if it's a close game, you don't want to put runners on base because then things can snowball from there. If you're striking guys out, that's exactly what you want to do as a closer in those high leverage situations. And, you know, being that you're only pitching one inning, you can blow it out. You can throw 20 pitches. You can throw 25 pitches if you have to. And Kirby Yates, his strikeout per nine rate is a ridiculous 16.83 right now. Uh, he's sitting guys down. He's not letting guys get on base. He's throwing streaks, pounding the strike zone. He's not walking guys. Uh, he's doing exactly what you want a closer to do. Now, look, is he going to be perfect all season? He's 19 of 19 in save chances. Obviously, as a closer, that's incredibly hard to do. But right now, the guy is pounding the strike zone. His fastball, the thing about Kirby Yates that's great is a lot of times closers have a straight fastball or a cutter or something like that and then a breaking pitch. His fastball moves. It moves side to side. It moves up and down. And then you throw the splitter, and he uses it like a changeup. And and it's just hard to read because that moves as well. And so you're a hitter. Even if he just throws his fastball, you still have to figure out where it's going to be. It's not a straight line that's going to be right down the middle. And and so he may not have the pinpoint control of someone who, like Trevor Hoffman, but you know, it, you know, if you picked, if you guessed right on Hoffman and knew it was a fastball coming, you could kind of angle where it was going to be and, and zoom into a to a location. Yates, it moves, and it's hard to figure out. Well, what is what is hitting? Hitting is timing. What is yeah. pitching? Disrupting that timing. Exactly. And every great closer. Can we hang that great closer on Kirby Yates right now? Right now he's the best closer in baseball. I mean, I'm not saying that at the end of the year that he'll be the best closer in baseball, but right now as we're looking at it, he's money. He, he is the best closer in baseball. There's he, no he, question about that right now. He, he is money. All of them need, I'll call it a trick pitch. Of course. A, a pitch yeah. that will disrupt your timing viciously. Very few closers can get away with the way Mariano Rivera did, where he would say... I'm going to throw a cutter. He had one pitch. Right. I'm going to throw a cutter. You're not going to be able to hit it. Well, you know, Hoffman had that that changeup that just devastated people, right? Because if there was visually no difference coming out of his hand between the fastball and the changeup. So, so that's the trick. You never knew what he was him. throwing. Yeah. Mo just he he had that movement and he can't throw the ball straight. It was and it was. It's funny with Rivera. What made him special is it wasn't even a trick. He could literally would essentially tell guys. I'm throwing a cutter. You're not going to be able to hit it. Oh, you know? I I talked to hitters before, and and they would say, I I know it's coming. I can't do anything about it. I can't lay off of it. Uh, you would watch him just. Guys would start to leak. Their hands would start to come forward. They'd start to rotate their hips, and they're like, oh, and they have to finish that swing anyway. And it, and it was almost embarrassing to watch him just throw it, tell you here it is, and let's go. Kenley Jansen, same thing. Kenley Jansen cannot throw the ball straight. No. And and that he gets into trouble with that. Well, and, and that's why he's not a catcher. Because mm-hmm. he came up as a catcher, literally having to throw the ball from his knees 
to stop the movement on his natural ability to throw. Uh, Mariano Rivera, people don't like playing catch with him when they were warming up and they do mm-hmm. and they'd warm up before the ball game down the down the uh, baseline or down the uh, the foul line. People didn't want to play catch with him because literally he could not throw the ball to you. You would have to reach or run, and you miss the mm-hmm. ball. You look foolish over there. Um, I, I talked to the guys that, that played with him. They hated playing catch with him <laughs> because there was movement. And when you when you look at pitchers, we, we fall in love with velocity, right? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Chris Paddock. Boom. Right? Throw a gas. Everybody wants to fall in love with velocity. But if you don't have any movement, you're not going to get anybody out. You could throw the ball 100 miles an hour. They'll catch up to it. They'll time you. Robert Stock is a perfect example of that. Guy can throw 101 miles an hour, and but it's, it's dead straight, straight as an arrow. and he can't get a secondary pitch. They'll just eliminate your se- – if you don't have a good secondary pitch, they'll eliminate that from their mind and just focus on hitting a fastball, and major leaguers can hit that fastball. Earl Hershiser said something on ESPN a, a while ago, and he said there are four things that have to come out of your hand. And I've tried to ask him again. I just can't get him to answer uh, what he said that day. But it's velocity, it's movement, and it's command. And there was one other thing that he said, and I, I again usually asked, guys will say changing speeds is the other thing. Well, that's the velocity. Okay, is if yeah. I can, if I get movement, if I can change the the speed on that. Um, but you think about all the things that we fall in love with: the radar gun, how hard he throws. It's that command and that's movement that gets hitters out, and you see that perfectly right now with Kirby Yates. I mean, I watched all three strikeouts down in the zone. It moves a little bit. They try to drop the bat head down. They still can't get down there to get it, or they foul it off, I think, was on the second strikeout. That's why he is so vicious right now. I mean, viciously striking people out, making people look silly in the process. So the question is, um, is this the standard? Can I hang that great sign on him and expect him to be, at least in one season, as good as, I hate to say it, Mo Trevor Hoffman? Do I throw that out there that you expect him to be perfect? Do you expect him to be, I'm making this an eight-inning game, I get it to Yates, game over? No, I, I think uh, there's a different level of closer with, with the Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman. And the thing those guys had was they had no memory. And that that's the, the, the special trait. I mean, Hoffman could blow a save giving up a grand slam. The next day right. he'd be out there on the mound doing the – Exact same thing, get guys out and, and move on. And and Rivera was the same way. They just had no you know, it didn't bother them as soon as that game was over. And I don't I don't I haven't seen that from Yates yet. I'm not saying that Yates can't do that, but I haven't seen that yet. And and you know, what I did love from Yates is after he blew those two games against the Dodgers earlier in the year where it was a tie game and and they you know, he came in and they lost, he was the first guy to stand up and say, Yeah, that was my fault. I shouldn't I shouldn't have I, I should have been better. That's confidence today. right there. And it is, and it's confidence and it's accountability. And by the way, your teammates love that when you are willing to come out. So those guys want to play harder for Kirby Yates. You know, they want to dive in the gap for a fly ball if, they, if he's given anything up because they know he's got their back. I, I was covering Rodney Beck. Remember Rod Beck? Mm-hmm. Rod Beck, the yeah. shooter, man. Yeah, the, the late, great uh, Rod Beck. By the way, if you ever follow on, on um, social media, his wife, Stacy has a foundation that she started uh, for kids whose parents suffer substance abuse because it's also very, very tough on the kids uh, to get through something like that. It's called Pitch for Kids. So if you ever get a chance to check that out, 
uh, she's doing some fabulous work uh, working with kids, and his, his daughters have grown up and everything. But there was a game where Beck had blown a save, and he was so upset, he just wouldn't talk to us after the game, which is not unusual yeah, if you're sure. on the beat every day. The next day he came back, and we got a message from the PR staff, hey, uh, Rod Beck wants to talk to everybody uh, three hours before the game. Like, okay, whatever. So show up three hours before the game, and everybody's kind of assembled, like, what's going on? What's going on? And he said, listen, I want to apologize to you, first of all, and to all of my teammates because I was unprofessional last night, and I didn't stand here and answer your questions after I blew the save. I was, I was upset. I was wrong, uh, and I just want to apologize to everybody. I mean, talk about a stand-up moment. Mm-hmm. And those are the guys that people will rally around and they believe in because they're going to stand there, they're going to be accountable. So like you said, with Kirby Yates, accountable. But I almost think right now we could start calling this an opportunity for the San Diego Padres to play eight-inning games because the ninth inning you feel – I feel as comfortable – is I've ever seen any team before with Yates right now finishing off a ball game. Yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who shortens a game for you to eight innings, especially right now with the way he's flowing. Now, it may not last all year. He may he's gonna again with closers you expect them at some point to hit a rough patch. And 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 that's gonna happen. The key for the potter is gonna be finding seven and eight to get through because their pitchers are going six innings. And and you feel pretty good with Stammon, although he's given up some runs lately, but you know, in general, you feel good with Stammon. The question is bridging that gap to Yates. And I think Stammon right now is better at being the fireman coming in and getting out of a jam with bases loaded, uh, with runners on, as opposed to that eighth inning guy. I think there's times where you need Stammon to come in and be that fireman more so than getting you that eighth inning where he walks in sure. is that setup guy. Uh, one, th- one last thing we do have to hit later is Matt Strom yesterday was fantastic. Did you watch, Ryan, the game last night? I did, yeah. I- you know, with a couple minutes left in the fourth, I switched over to Padres full time. I watched but Padres. I, I wanted. I, to watch I was. The I was game. watching both. Yeah. I wanted to watch the game, but I hate watching the Toronto Raptors. It's not a knock on Kawhi Leonard or anybody else. I get so annoyed at the coverage of Raptors basketball and having everything revolve around. Drake. Yeah. I mean, dude, get off the court. I don't need to see your face. I don't even, now I don't even like your music. You are annoying. Yeah, I, I wrote after the game, and it was the straw that broke the camel's back for me was last night. I, I wrote that I think that when watching Drake cheer on the Raptors, he's the most obnoxious sports fan in the world. He, oh, Wow. Make that statement again. He's the most obnoxious sports fan in the world. Okay. There's been some obnoxious NBA fans. Because that's where you get closest mm-hmm. to the action, right? Sure. Like in, in in football, I gotta get the camera to go shoot you up in the owner's box for most of the celebrities that mm-hmm. go to games. Major League Baseball, I gotta find you behind home plate. I give the whole Dodger Hollywood contingent that sits behind home plate, right? Mary Hart, Larry uh, Larry King, mm-hmm. um, who else? Uh, Larry David will sit behind home plate. George Lopez. There, there's a built, baked-in, crowded Dodger stadium. Um, hockey, you don't. Yeah, who cares? Uh, but basketball, 
You're right on the floor. You're right on the floor. And it, it started with, and it was cool back in the day when Jack would sit courtside mm-hmm. at the Lakers and sunglasses. That was cool. Spike Lee, too. But Spike Lee was the one who started all this being an obnoxious New York Knickerbocker fan. Sure. But Drake has taken it to a whole new level standing there. Mike, you know, put a jersey on him, sign him to a 10-day contract, and let him stand there on the bench. You might as well, because he's that involved in the game. Yeah, and, and with Spike Lee, the one thing about Spike was he would talk insane amounts of trash, but he stayed in his seat mostly, and he would stand up in front of his seat and, and stuff. Drake is wandering out on the court. He's moving towards half court. I, I he's If you want to stand in front of your seat and cheer and pump the crowd up and stuff like that, I have no problem with that. I'm good with that. You want to talk trash to players because you paid a lot of money for that seat? Fine. Go ahead. Do it. I don't care. But when you're wandering towards midcourt and stepping on the floor and making it like – I mean, he's essentially – he's closer to the action than the Raptors' dance team. Like, it's at this point, it's – and 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 my my philosophy is if you step on the court if you set foot on the court in an NBA game players should be allowed to clothesline you if if a fan runs on the field in the NFL what happens you get decked you get decleated if you a fan runs on the ba- on a field at a baseball game you're going to get body slammed if a fan were to be dumb enough to jump on the ice at a hockey game you will get beaten to a probably get whacked with a stick right if I he, take my skate off if, his, if his foot goes over the sideline again, Giannis Antetokounmpo should be able to take that long-ass arm of his and knock him down. Why do they let that happen? Why I have the no league, idea. What is the league seeing this? If I bought that ticket and I did what Drake did, I would be ejected from the game. Is anybody else find him annoying as all get out? I mean, I, I think the moniker that you've thrown at him the most obnoxious fan in sports is is true 100%. The only one I think that could be almost as obnoxious is another Canadian and Justin Bieber. I don't even I I, I where does who does he even root for? I don't know. Uh, everybody. And so does Drake. Drake will like he's super Toronto Raptors fan, right? Mm-hmm. But then he'll decide he's going to root for this team or that Kentucky, team. Kentucky, that was the Yeah, big one. exactly. You know what? Stay north of the border, stay off the court, and please keep him off of my television. Uh, and here's the thing. Jack Nich- Nicholson made being a fan at an NBA game cool. What was the pose for Jack? He was always sitting there with his arms crossed and his legs out. Right. You know, sitting back Sunglasses. in his chair. And he would occasionally stand up and cheer for something big or whatever. But he was always sitting in his seat. Almost always. That's just the opposite of Drake. And if Jack, I think we can all agree Jack is Mr. Cool, I think Drake looks like a high school cheerleader. He would there. sit there. Jack would sit there. For those of you that don't remember, he'd probably have on something very, very cool, something very fashionable. Um, he would have his sunglasses on. He had that smile from the Joker mm-hmm. that he had in the Batman movie. And he just kind of had this this smirk on his face, watching the Lakers, arms folded, legs out. And you knew it was a big moment if he stood up and he kind of would look up at the Jumbotron, have a big grin on his face, and kind of give you a immediate clap. Not a slow clap, not a I'm going crazy clap, but just, hey, I'm in control. I'm Jack kind of clap. Mm-hmm. And Jack apparently talked a ton of trash, but it never you were never drawn to him talking trash. He would subtly talk trash to those other teams. He never became part of the game, but Drake almost wants to be Drake thinks he's on the team. He thinks he's on the team. He thinks he's playing. 
And uh, lastly, at one point, Nick Nurse, the the Raptors coach, was kind of walking back and forth, and Drake walked up and started giving him like shoulder rub. It's like what? Dude, don't touch the coat. Like, I know he knows the Raptors and he's friends with the Raptors and all that. He's but super he, fan and he sold not, more records. You're not involved in the game in any way. You're a fan. Stop acting like you're on the roster. 833-288-0973. Hammer will be friendly enough to answer your telephone calls. Is is this just the most ridiculous thing we have uh, in the NBA playoffs? I'm actually rooting for them to lose so I don't have to see any more Drake. Or... Maybe I want them to win just to watch him have a meltdown when the Warriors destroy whoever comes out of the East. Uh, that's that's an interesting perspective. I, I don't know. Uh, Jim, would you want the Warriors to face him? I have zero problem with Drake. Really? Wait, even, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What? I have zero problem with Drake. Like, why you guys hate fun? Because he's massaging the coach's shoulders during the game. But... What is he doing to impact the game? Well, I mean, you step on the floor, you're impacting the game. Did he? Did he? Kind of he crossed the line did a he couple t- times. Did he? Did he touch any player yesterday? Did he shoot a basketball? Did he commit a foul? Did he? He's walking on the court. What I think is going to be fantastic is at some point Drake's going to be wandering really far away from his seat, and one of the Raptors is going to try and pass him the ball, thinking it's one of his teammates, <laughs> and it's just going to be like, like, wait, what? Yeah. I, I have zero problem with Drake. Uh, he's friends with all these guys. Drake's probably the number one rapper, music artist in the world. Mm-hmm. Sure. I would argue that. Um, and this isn't about like his music no, or anything no, no, no. like that. Yeah. I, I just feel like I was telling Ryan this earlier before the show. I think it was either this year or last year the Warriors were playing uh, the Raptors. And obviously Drake's good friends with a lot of the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Sure. And Katie, I think, had like 45 and they were just—it was like a Reggie Miller, Spike Lee situation yeah. where they were just going back and forth, and I loved it. Like I have zero problem with it because it—it's it, just—it's a fun thing to go off of. Like screw you, Drake! Like yeah. in your face! Like it's not something that I feel like is like get off my like get off my lawn type of thing. Well, and again, I wouldn't care if he wasn't wandering onto the court. Like if he was just being himself and you know, being the big cheerleader and talking trash and all that, I have no problem. When you're wandering out to midcourt or you're putting your foot over the line on the court, like, that bothers me. Because the reason why it bothers me is because any other fan does that, they're getting ejected or thrown out so or we're, escorted out by security. We're being haters. We're being jealous because I we would that. like to go do that. I get it. It's like, you know, why does he get to do it and why can't I do yeah. it? Like if he's I, if he's I, if a paying if a, customer just right, like If a regular else. fan did it, then he would get... Start mm-hmm. out of the, uh, the stadium, but if if Drake does it, he's cool. Like I understand that aspect yeah, of it for sure, but I don't I don't mind it. Well, Fine. so so what we're saying is that if Ryan Phillips could walk onto the field when Paddock comes out after striking out the side on nine pitches, in your world, in Drake's world, you should be able to high five him in the middle of the game. You should be able to walk out onto the field. This is how ridiculous Drake is. Ryan, I think you should get the same kind of treatment that you should be able to walk out onto the field and high-five him right in front of the dugout as Paddock comes off the mound. I, I mean, that's essentially what we're saying, is that like fans are allowed to interact with the game. Now, again, I, I understand. If, if he's sitting there and he's fired up and he's 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 taunting players and he's cheering them, I, you, paid your, you paid your money. You could stand in front of your seat and do that all day. But, like, wandering past half court – stepping onto the floor that that's crossing a line for me and i'm not one of these guys who's like you know fans shouldn't interact with players or talk trash or whatever no you paid your money you can do whatever you want but 
there's a difference when you're starting to have a little too much freedom. I, and look, what the NBA should do is just subtly reach out to Drake. I don't think they should throw him out or whatever. They should subtly re- reach out to Drake and just say, hey, dude, rein it in a little. Do you think he pays for those tickets? Um, 50-50, whether he does or not. I Probably not, uh, because it's probably a big deal for the Raptors to get him there. Um, but still, he's a customer. He, he works and... You know, he, he, he works with the team. I know he he's buddies with them and all that stuff. I'd love to see you do that, be able to walk out and high-five Paddock as he walks off the mound. When we started the show, you were a little down in the dumps because the Padres had fallen below 500. Really bad weekend series. Against really bad weekend. Because I, I asked you, what was your weekend like? And you said, eh, wasn't great. Yeah, went to the game Saturday and, and was thoroughly disappointed by Margavich's performance and... Uh, got a free hoodie, which is nice, but and that was but that was pretty much the highlight of your it, of your weekend. It certainly was, was. was the hoodie. Well, if you went the last two days to Petco Park, there is plenty to walk away with a smile. The way they played last night, they got to Zach Greinke. Listen, Zach Greinke was awfully good last night. He picked up his two thousand five hundredth K in his career. Zach Greinke is filthy. He is nasty, but he was no match late in the game. For Eric Hosmer, here's your Padres Rewind. Want to know what happened with the Friars? It's time for Padres Rewind. He's hot. He's hot. Brought to you by EcoWater. Your water perfected. Here's the 2-1 pitch. He hits it in the air to deep left center field. Renfro racing back into the gap. He's running out of room. He reaches up, and he makes the catch just in front of the fence. Oh, there's your catch of the day. Four pitches into the game. Hunter Renfro with a running grab in deep left center field. And Jones, who had had the leadoff success against Strom, does not this time one away. Strom, the left-hander, delivers. And this one is hammered deep down the left field line. If it's fair, it's going to be gone. Guess what? It is a fair ball and a home run for Eduardo Escobar. Padres held him in check yesterday, but now his 11th home run of the season. And he gives the Diamondbacks a 1-0 lead here in the fourth. Strom comes set, the left-hander delivers, and the 0-1 pitch is sky to left field, pretty well struck. Renfro's going back, he is at the wall, he leaps, and this one is going to go, a home run. John Ryan Murphy, his fourth of the season, and the Diamondbacks hit their second solo shot of the night, 2-0 Arizona here in the fifth. Fastball line right back up the middle into center field for a base hit. Kinsler's rounding third. He will come in and score without a throw. And Machado shot that one right back at Greinke into center field. Two to one Diamondback. Machado on first. Hosmer up. He swings at the first pitch and sends one to deep left field. This one is up and out. A two-run home run for Eric Hosmer. And just like that, the Padres lead. Three to two San Diego here in the sixth. Here's the payoff pitch. Walker swings and misses strike three. Kirby strikes out the side. 18 of his last 21 outs have been strikeouts, and he is 19 for 19. Padres with another one-run win over the Diamondbacks. Tomorrow afternoon, they go for the sweep. Padres three, Arizona two. That was Padres Rewind, brought to you by EcoWater. Stay hydrated, San Diego. Ryan's smiling, I'm smiling, San Diego's smiling. The Padres take the first two of the three games set with their division rivals. The Arizona Diamondbacks go for the sweep this afternoon here on the fan. They get above 500. we talked about Machado. We've talked about Hosmer. We've talked about Yates. The one guy we got to talk about is Matt Strom, who was solid going pitch for pitch. 
with one of the best hurlers in the game was Zach Greinke. Yeah, and what was interesting for Strom last night, only two strikeouts. He was pitching to contact, four hits, two earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks. He was in the zone. He lowered his ERA to 3.06. He's been fantastic, really, and I know they've got him on a, just like Paddock, they've got him on a really tight pitch count uh, because he hasn't thrown that many innings in the last few years, but Man, he has been solid. He's allowed two runs in his last five, two runs in each of his last five starts. Before that, one run, then zero, then one. Uh, so he's really, after a really bad start to open the year against Arizona, he was able to come back. Uh, and and this is the the second time he's had a solid start against the Diamondbacks. Here's Matt after the ball came down in the clubhouse. What are you thinking when you see uh, Hosmer give you a lead there? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a team game, so you need all 25 of us to win, um, and Haas came up big for us tonight. How pumped were you to see that go, I mean, knowing that, what Granky had been doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just any time we take the lead, I'm pumped, no matter if I'm pitching or not, so it was exciting. You knew that, I mean, Andy wanted a chance for more offense in there, but yep. still, is it tough to get pulled out after 69 pitches like that? Again, uh, my job is to pitch until Andy takes the ball, and... Uh, Played the cards right, and we came out on top. Overall, what did you think of how you did tonight? Uh, you know, I just two mistakes there. Uh, there's supposed to be fastballs up and in, and both of them leaked back over the middle. I uh, struggled to get my fastball glove side, which is normally my bread and butter, um, and uh, they made me pay on it. So, How did you become so pitch efficient this season? Uh, you know, uh, when you got a defense like we do, uh, you're not scared to hit a barrel. Um, you know, I mean, Margot showed me in center field that uh, even if it's out of the park, he'll go get it for me. So, uh, you know, uh, we got a great defense, and uh, they wanted to save my pitches and put the ball in play early. I trust my guys behind me. Did you change maybe the way you're using your pitches in order to accomplish that as a start? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'm just in the zone more. So uh, it kind of just it puts pressure on them to swing the bat. Um, and then uh, once I get two strikes on you, I can go – many different ways, so uh, I can't imagine as a hitter it's very comfortable to get two strikes when someone who's got four pitches can throw them all for strikes anywhere he wants, so it's kind of the confidence I have in all my pitches, and uh, again, the big big key is the defense behind me. They're, they're phenomenal, and uh, you know, just let them work. So generally speaking, you're okay downturning Ks if it means Oh, yeah, that's less pitches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't get an out in one pitch. you got to strike someone out in three. When you feel your bread and butter's off like that, I mean, you still battle through yeah. it. Is that just kind of mentally tapping into something else there? Yeah, I think uh, that's what uh, helps me out with the uh, three extra pitches there um, and controlling them for strikes. Um, you know, I, we've seen it time and again where I ditch my changeup or I ditch my slider, and it's just because it's not working that day. Um, my stubbornness uh, wanted to get my glove side fastball, and uh, they made me pay. So, How close to Eric Hosmer right now, how close to what he was in Kansas City are you seeing right now from him? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he is Hosmer, and uh, he's he's a, he's a big-time player, and he came up big for us tonight, and he's going to continue to do that. As pitchers, do you guys have confidence in something good eventually is going to happen with this offense? I mean, as a pitcher, you can only control what I mean, control what you can control. It's kind of something I've always said. I've said it to all these younger guys that, uh, you know, just don't – I mean, you can't – once that ball leaves your hand, it's out of our control. Um, and, uh, you know, just to keep grinding, keep pitching. And, again, we got a great team in here, and we're fully confident in everyone, and everyone's going to do their job. There you go, Matt Strom, after the ball game yesterday. And, again, as you look at the Padres, things that we were talking about, can you go a little bit deeper in the ball game? He talked about that and pitch efficiency. And, and I just want to tip my cap because – when you look at the the starting five for the San Diego Padres, Chris Paddock is becoming the ace, but you don't have that guy that's established 
that will lock horns with the number one starter on each side. And Zach Greinke was throwing a whale of a ball game, had the lead, and Strom didn't 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 press. He didn't try to do too much. In fact, he looked so relaxed out there going pitch for pitch with Zach Greinke. You could actually call it a pitcher's duel last night. For sure, and, and it was, and the game moved fast. I mean, it's it's a... For a baseball junkie, that was a really fun game. You had a comeback, you had a couple home runs, but you also had two pitchers really out there dueling, dealing, as you, as you said. And and you know, Jim here made a great point, and I looked it up. And and if you take out that first start against Arizona, where Matt Strom went two and two thirds and gave up five earned runs, his ERA that was the first start of the year. His ERA since is two point two eight. I mean, that's phenomenal. And it is. And, and and he's gone six innings. He went six innings last night, then five the start previous, 6.1, 6, 6, 8. So he is going deeper into games, and he's not giving up runs. He, As I said, in the last five starts, he's given up two runs each time. Before that, he gave up one, zero, and one. He's keeping teams uh, to, to, you know, he's keeping his team in the game. He's It's a quality start every time. It's a quality start every time, and he is... Save the bullpen as much as he can, mm-hmm. and and the big thing is, you know, when you have an ace, you can walk in there and you you know you're going to win game one of the series. You know, it's win day. I think um, uh, Mud was talking about this on TV last night. When you have Zach Greinke pitching and you're an Arizona Diamondback, that's a win day. You know yeah, you're, you're going to win that game. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, you know you're going to win that day. Uh, Max Scherzer, you know you're going to win that day. So for the Arizona Diamondbacks, you walk in, you look, oh, who's throwing Nate Granke? All right, we're going to win today. If you're the San Diego Padres, like, oh, that's going to be a tough game yep. to win. We're going against their ace. And you had Matt Strom stand there, pitch for pitch with him, and walk away with the victory. Ho, 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 is that beautiful if you're if you're a San Diego Padre fan? Well, it is, and and – not only the fact that you beat a division rival, you beat a great pitcher like Granky to give you the confidence that now when you're facing guys who aren't a Zach Granky, you can beat them because you've got Matt Strom and Chris Paddock. The issue is going to come, and we're going to hear a lot about it over the next couple of weeks, I'm sure, is Matt Strom and Chris Paddock are on innings limits this year. Strom only threw 61 innings last year. So at what point are they going to start shutting him down? At what point are they going to start shutting Paddock down? Are they going to continue to maybe bring guys up and down to try and, you know, uh, sort of the other, the rest of the team go with a six-man rotation. What are they going to do? How are they going to manage this? I know they they say they have a plan. I'm, I'm wondering what the plan is. Or are they just going to end up, you know, midway through or, or, you know, late July, just shut both guys down and, and get them ready for next year? I feel like I'm getting lied to by someone in the NBA. Okay. The Warriors finished off their series, dispatched – Everybody in the West, and they're just kind of chilling out, waiting to see what happens between uh, Milwaukee and Toronto and Drake. Yes. I throw Drake in there because he's kind oh, he's of part, part of the team. Of the, yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. Um, so while the Warriors are getting healthy, waiting to see what's going to go on with Andre Iguodala, and of course they want to know what's going on with Kevin Durant. Uh, Boogie Cousins, Boogie too. Boogie Cousins. You have... The Splash Brothers kind of resting, relaxing, getting ready for their run as they've made it to the NBA Finals five times. The big question, though, is what's going to go on with Kevin Durant? Will Kevin Durant stay with the Golden State Warriors, or will he bail to go to New York or somewhere else, like uh, Magic Johnson had said earlier this week? 
His agent says he hasn't decided where he's going next year, has no idea. Am I being lied? Should I be- am I being lied to? Should I believe him that KD has no idea what his plans are for next week? Absolutely not. You shouldn't believe him. I, I think that KD has known where he's going f- since the beginning of the year. I, I th- or maybe even, you know, at at least in the last six months, he knows where he's going. And I think it's the same with LeBron last year. I think LeBron knew that he was going to L.A. He wanted to – I mean, his family was already moving out there. I don't think it had anything to do with the Lakers. His family was moving to Los Angeles. He wanted to be closer to his family. He wanted to do workout in Los Angeles, wait, all that wait, stuff. Wait a second. He, his family moved out to Los Angeles. He wanted to be closer to his family. Why would his family move to Los Angeles without him knowing that he was going to go there? Well, right? I, I think that they already owned homes there while he was in Cleveland and stuff, and I think that... But it's his hometown. I wanted to come back to Cleveland. That's my hometown. With LeBron, I think it was fair to say he accomplished what he said he was going to accomplish. He, he came back and won a title with the Cavs, uh, and I think that that's why Cavs fans were fine with him leaving this time, because he accomplished that. With, with Durant, I think that he has known for a long time he was on his way out. I don't think a guy like Kyrie Irving, I think most of these top-level stars know where they're going to go or at least have it narrowed down to two, and then they hear the presentations from the teams and they go. They say they're wide open, but I I think KD has known for a long time that he's he's going. Everything I have heard from people around the NBA is that he's going to the Knicks. Everything. Whether it's publicly or privately, you talk to these people, they think he's going to the Knicks. He wants to dominate New York. But a guy who I don't think knows where he's going is Kyrie Irving, because I think his mind changes every three days. I don't think he's going back to Boston, but I don't think he has any idea where he's going. Why would you go to the New York Knicks? The only reason you go to the Knicks is for exposure, for endorsements, for all of that kind of stuff. Maybe the adulation you get. It seems to me that KD is the kind of guy who likes a press conference. He likes the announcement of what's going to happen, and then the actual work of being there he's not a big fan of. Like, like actually getting along with teammates, actually, you know, dealing with the media, actually, you know, having to face the fans of the former team you played for, all that stuff. I, I think he's a guy who, who likes the announcement and, and likes to make the big splash, as he did when he went to the Warriors from the Thunder. But I'm not sure he, he really is into the, the nitty-gritty of what's going to happen when you leave. Because it's hard. Like I when when I default, when people ask me like, well, who's going to go where? Who's gonna, what's going to happen? All this stuff. I always default to it's really hard to leave. It's hard to leave when you're at a place. It's hard to pack up and move and move your family and do all of that stuff. It's not easy to do to leave the town you're in. So I default. My default setting for almost every free agent is unless the financial situation is going to work out, is they're coming back. Like Clay Thompson, perfect example. I think he's going back to the Warriors. Because even, Why would you leave the Warriors? You're going to win championships and you're going to get paid. Absolutely. I mean, that that by itself is, is the thing. But also, that's where he's played his whole career. It's tough to leave the neighborhoods you know. The, I mean, it's as simple as liking restaurants, knowing where you uh, go to work out, knowing where you can always get parking. I mean, it's it's simple stuff like that, mundane life stuff that we don't think about, that is really hard to leave. It's hard to leave your routine. Your, your routine. Okay, wait a second. Let me bring in Jeff. Jeff, can can you jump in here with us? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Jim's a fan of this. Here we go. Now, I bring this in again. For those of you just tuning in, Coach on Vacation this week, Ryan Phillips, Rich Herrera filling in. Jim Russell, our producer. Jeff McBray, our producer. You know, you have this disdain of Dean Spanos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't stand him. Okay. 
Let me introduce you to Jeff. For those of you just listening to the station, tuning in for the first, first time. First of all, what's he wearing today? Finding us on what's Alexa. He wear, what's he wear every day? What do you wear every day to work? My Oklahoma City Thunder hoodie. See, he's blocked by a monitor, so I haven't actually seen Jeff's face all week. He wears it's an Oklahoma State hoodie yeah. every Trust me, you are. He wears an Oklahoma. <laughs> I either wear an OU or an Oklahoma City Thunder hoodie right. every day. Now, yeah. he, he has tasted the, the, the tops. I mean, he's a, he's a Sooner fan. He's seen them win championships. He's had lots of great moments in your, in your sports fandom, right? Mm-hmm. But he also has had his heart ripped from his chest. And held in front of him, beating like in Indiana Jones, when Kevin Durant stabbed you in the back and walked out on you. It was like having like the love of your life break up with you like the day before your wedding. That's what it felt like when he you left. Were stood up at the altar, pretty much, and then you got to watch her marry someone else and make out in front of you every day while he wins championships in Oakland. It's like she she left me to go marry the guy that bullied you in high school. That's what it feels like. <laughs> wow. So, that's I mean, that's pretty much exactly how Chargers fans feel. I'm sure you can sympathize yeah, with that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's very similar to what happened here with the Chargers. So, when we talk about Kevin Durant, I'm not sure where I'm going next year. Are you buying any of this? And if he goes to New York... You saw him going from lovable KD in Oklahoma City. Oh, isn't he soft and everybody loves him? Then you go to Oakland to the Golden State Warriors where, oh, he's just a he's just a mercenary and he only cares about the money and he stabbed us in the back. Now he's talking about going to New York. I mean, here's my well, the one thing I know for certain is nobody has a clue outside of like KD and his small group where he's actually going because everyone was convinced he was coming back to Oklahoma City until like the 11th hour when he actually said, I'm going to the Warriors. But I, I believe a little bit that he doesn't know yet because, I mean, at this time, th- what was it, three or four years ago, nobody said he was going to the Warriors during the playoffs. Everyone was convinced he was staying. And I think that's kind of how he he views it right now. I don't think he's really thought about it yet. But with where there's smoke, there's fire, and there's no way this many people are leaking he's going to New York without there being some truth behind yeah, it. Yeah, and and look, there was there was smoke on Golden State, but I when he decided to go there, I mean, there were people for months uh, leaking that you know that's a possibility the Warriors are going to go after him, all this stuff. But nobody thought he'd actually do it. Yeah. That was the thing is they never. Okay, come on, he's not going to do that. Uh, I'm curious, Jim. Do you think he's he's leaving the Warriors? I mean, you're a Warriors fan. I honestly don't think he is. Well, now do I have any clue or Welcome inkling? Welcome to my world, though. No. Um, if he leaves, will it be the end of the world for me, like Jeff over here? No. But I sure? still have. You sure, the, the Warriors would still be favored to win yeah. the title next well, like, year. Like it gutted our franchise. Yeah, like, it you did. guys are still fine. Well, if he you guys are fine too. I mean, not, you not have the same, Paul George. Not to the same. Yeah, but we didn't have him at the time. It's not the I same extent it. that you guys. And are. you haven't won a playoff series since Katie exactly. Left. It's not near. Not nearly the same. And that was such a gutting playoff series to lose to the Warriors that year, and then to lose your best play. Yeah. Like they, they, I legitimately thought, and I thought the Warriors were the best team in the NBA at that point. I legitimately thought the Thunder were going to win that series with how it, with the pacing of how it was going, and then to lose it, and then lose your best player, a franchise caliber, you know, MVP, all of that stuff. Just that's such a groin punch in the in this Warriors run. That is the only series they have like lost game one, and it's really felt like a like a threat. 
Like it was going to like yeah. Well, last year with Houston, it did. But once Chris Paul went down, it was like just you yeah. know get through games. Eventually, it's going to eventually it's going to happen. But the whole KD thing, uh, you know, if he leaves, they still got Steph. They still have Draymond. Mm-hmm. Still, they still have, have Clay. K- they still have Clay. And, it, and wouldn't it, somebody else want to jump in there as well? I mean, it's the Warriors. And if you think about it, like that series right there, Game Six changed the entire landscape of the NBA. Absolutely did. Yeah. Like, th- like the impact of that game. If Oklahoma City wins, Katie's not going to the Warriors. The Warriors dynasty probably doesn't happen. Dies it, in the crib. It, yeah. it, it, I mean, they, they'll be competitive, but I don't think they win back-to-back titles after that and make five straight NBA Finals. Uh, LeBron might not have gone to the Lakers. Like it's just a trickle down effect. Like yeah. everything in the whole NBA changed because of KD. Like LeBron going to the the West. You know, like facing off against he. Like LeBron could have easily had two more titles in Cleveland if KD didn't go to the Warriors. Absolutely. So then he could have won three in a row at in Cleveland. I mean, he right. could have won three in a row in Cleveland. And if he does that. Does he leave? Probably Does he leave, not. Man. Almost, you know. So I mean, that game six with what Clay did. By the and- way, also, if, I'm sorry if if LeBron wins three titles in a row in Cleveland. I'm not convinced he doesn't retire. Like that too. I, you know, like because what what does he have left to accomplish? He's on the level with you know all these greats. He would have had five titles. I mean, and, and three in a row in Cleveland of all places. I mean. What, what does he have left to prove? Well, and to your point, how many franchises did it alter? Because then you see the Paul George trickle effect. Yep. Does Kyrie stay in Cleveland? Where I mean, Indiana. What, what would happen with them with Victor Oladipo and Sabonis and the way that they've altered? Like, there's so and the Lakers could have gotten Paul George. Like, so many different franchises yeah. were affected by Clay Thompson's third quarter that ultimately won them Game Six. That Game Six, when you think about it, it changed everything. And like, it gives it's you chills. You're NBA like, turning point. Like that, if, when you go back on it, like that changed the landscape of NBA for it, the next it decade. You guys so just gave me a column idea. You're welcome. Oh, You're good. Welcome. I'm glad we were able to... Uh, <laughs> guys, maybe now he'll mention you. I it's mentioned okay. him on Twitter today. Yeah, we got the Twitter mention. It's okay. Okay, I just want to make sure. Look, we don't want to be in the print. We'll, we'll stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll just stay in the social yeah. media? Yeah, social okay. media. Okay, just want to be sourced. Well, we, we want to stay in a safe place. Social yeah. media. Yeah, social okay. media. That's yeah. right. Nobody ever looks at any of that stuff. No. Um, so, as you look at KD deciding where he's going to play next year, what, why would anybody go to New York? It's all endorsements. It's all to be a superstar. But I get endorsements anywhere. Agreed. I I don't understand that mentality. I don't think you need to go to... I mean, I guess, look, you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, in my opinion, on the verge of being the best player in the NBA. By the way, you're just saying that name because I can't pronounce his name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Say it again. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. 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 There you go. Giannis Antetokounmpo. It kind of has a beat to yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to kind of like just Hit say the spots. it. You yeah. want to say it fast so you don't mess yeah. it up. Jeff, can you say his name? Just call him Giannis. Yeah, yeah Greek Freak. That's yeah, there what you go. I say. There, there you go. go. So the Greek Freak is, he's easily he's one of the He's got an endorsement. But, he plays in Milwaukee. But he plays in Milwaukee and he's not, he, he hasn't crossed over to household name status where people who don't watch basketball know who he is. Kevin Durant's already there and he's been there for a while. What commercials does he have, Jeff? He's got a couple. Giannis? No, uh, KD. Uh, I know he does Nike. I think he's got a phone company or something. Yeah, I mean. I bought his shoes. He has TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. He has that boardroom show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he does a couple other stuff with Nike. You don't really see him in many commercials. No, it, but how but he doesn't have a whole lot of personality, quite frankly. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not LeBron. He's not goofy and kind of funny and 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 likable. He's not the Peyton Manning pitch man type. Um, 
I think that Giannis, because of his accent, may not be either. Uh, you see Joel Embiid. He's a guy who's great on social media and all that stuff. He's got an accent, too, so he's not necessarily going to be that crossover superstar. Because um, it's just hard to understand those guys when as, as pitchmen. But I've, I, I've talked to Lee Steinberg and a couple other agents about this. Seriously, how many guys have national endorsements? How many guys have endorsements? Not a lot. I mean, it's really... Maybe five percent of the league has an endorsement. Name me the guys have endorsements. Steph does. Well, they all have shoe deals. They I mean, all have shoe deals. But I mean, if you're going, I got to go to New York. Face, I got to go to New York to be to get to get endorsements. How many New Yorkers right now have national endorsements that we see all the time? Did Giancarlo Stanton pick up any national endorsements that you've seen him on I this have year? No idea. Aaron Judge probably does. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I. Do, I do any, do any Knicks? I mean, listen, if, if you think about it, it used to be, all right, the Big Apple stirs everything, Madison Avenue, that's where you go. Because if it you, was you go to Chicago, you go to New York, Chicago, or L.A. to be famous as an athlete. Right. You know, you that's had, not the case anymore because it's uh, the world is so much smaller with social media and, you know, endless video. I mean, back then, the Lakers, Knicks, Celtics, and Bulls were the only teams that got national televised games more than once a year. Now I got now, them every week. Yeah, now every game's on TV. So as, as everybody goes, oh, you got to go here, you got to go here to get national endorsements, I think that's passe. I think that's over with. I think if you have a great personality, you know how to smile, you're well-spoken, you will get a national endorsement anywhere you are. Now there's places that obviously Milwaukee's going to be a little bit tougher, mm-hmm. but... I don't know. Green Bay, I look at some Packers who've had some national endorsements. Same market. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because if he goes to New York, the purpose of going to New York is, A, exposure to a wider audience, I think. Whether that's true anymore or not, Play. some people believe it is. The second thing is hit the chance for him to build a franchise into a, into a championship. If he brings a championship back to the Knicks... Legendary. Legendary. Like that is that is you are the guy if you do that. There is no questioning Kevin Durant at that point. Because his titles have come from joining a team that won seventy three games the year before. If you look at the big picture, let's spin this back to San Diego. Is there any reason why a San Diego Padre couldn't have that national exposure? Manny Machado, people are talking about Manny probably more since he came to San Diego than he did originally in Baltimore. Chris Paddock has that opportunity to have that kind of cult following with the hair and the fastball and all the rest. There is no reason why you can't get that wherever you are. Maybe you have to work a little bit harder in a place like Milwaukee, but certainly with the national exposure, with MLB Network, with NBA TV, with TNT, you should be able to do it in San Diego, Milwaukee, Arizona, you name it, you should be able to do that wherever you are now. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I do think you have to work harder, as you said, in a smaller market to get that exposure, though. And and to be fair, we haven't seen Chris Paddock become a national sensation despite his numbers so far. I mean, it's going to take time. It's good, but it's nine games in, so I mean, sure, the sample yeah. size is so small. But if, like I said, that's why I'm telling everybody, start talking up Paddock for the All-Star game. If he gets to get in that All-Star game and has that moment then he will become a national name. Yeah. Once you get to the playoffs, you become a national name. Once you, you know, Kevin Durant, what's going to give you a bigger stage? Being in New York 
are playing in the NBA Finals yet again, I would argue the NBA Finals. That was Best of Coach, 5 to 9, mornings, right here on 97.3 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.